Well, I think they're definitely stimulating the market in a way that we've never seen it before. And I think that uh, they are challenging the bigger box uh, multi-purpose facilities in ways that we haven't seen before, causing them to rethink their model, their service, and, and what they actually are providing those current members of theirs because uh, there's some significant attrition from the traditional big box operators going to the smaller studios, whether it's indoor cycling studios, Pilates studios, yoga studios, or we're seeing a lot of fusion studios where spinning is offered plus Pilates plus, you know, other types of, uh, we see cross-core, our, our suspension, our full-body suspension uh, model really getting interest in, and uh, implementation in these uh, multi-purpose fusion studios. Hi, this is Amy, the Senior Group Fitness Instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. I'm John McGowan, your host, and today I have a special treat. Dr. Kevin Steele is joining me, and Kevin is the VP of Programs and Education with Mad Dog Athletics. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks, John. It's great to be here. I certainly appreciate your time and uh, finally wrangling you on to being on the podcast. <laughs> well, I don't know about wrangling, but I'm happy to be here <laughs> joining you. Good. Hey, you know, it was very fun. Uh, you and I actually have some history. Uh, you worked with Lifetime Fitness here years ago, and we got to know each other then, and then we got reconnected at the Mind Body Fit Bro conference earlier this fall. And uh, so that was quite a treat. Help me understand Dr. Kevin Steele. Uh, I, I enjoyed uh, our time at Lifetime together. That was great working out and sitting on the bike and discussing a lot of things uh, cycling-wise in the Minnetonka Athletic Club of Lifetime Fitness. So, yeah, and it was great catching up with you at Mind Body. So this is the latest chapter in my book as far as uh, professional stops, and uh, I've been enjoying my tenure so far at Mad Dog. And um, a big part of the reason that I'm here is uh, our chief operating officer, Rick Wallace, and I have been good friends and cycling buddies for many, many years, and we've always talked about working together. And so um, Rick uh, said, hey, you know what, I think we could use your expertise and experience, so uh, why don't you consider uh, helping us out? And so, you know, I've been involved in education for, I started in education. I used to teach and coach at Pepperdine University, which is a small campus in Malibu, California, where I still chair a board, and I taught in the PE and sports medicine department. And uh, so I started out in education before I got into the fitness industry many years ago and worked with three of the largest health club operators in the world. And uh, so uh, education is something that's near and dear to my heart, as is programs, because uh, everybody needs uh, really fun, exciting, and interesting and challenging programs to stay engaged in a regular exercise program. And, of course, spinning uh, and my personal love of cycling go hand in hand. So uh, that's kind of uh, how I uh, made the decision to join the Mad Dog team. All right. But your role is actually education for all your brands. Yes, yes. Spinning being the, the biggest and, and founding brand of uh, Mad Dog Athletics, but we have we own Peak Pilates, which is a wonderful Pilates company, one of the leaders in the world as far as the space of Pilates goes. 
We offer a cutting-edge, state-of-the-art educational platform for Pilates as well. Plus, we also uh, manufacture uh, wonderful peak Pilates equipment. And then we have uh, CrossCore, and we have a a really new, cool cutting-edge product called Yugi, which is a soft, uh, pliable, for lack of a better description, medicine ball kind of a device. And we have programming and education around that as well. And then we have uh, kettlebell concepts where we work with, and uh, we have body blade. So we have Mad Dog Athletics is truly a portfolio or a house of brands these days, with spinning still being the predominant player. Well, let's establish, because this is the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast, let's establish your uh, bona fides, as I would say, as far as cycling. Uh, How long have you uh, ridden outdoors? Oh, John, you're going to ask me that. That's going to that's going to give you tip, tip off my age. Let's put it this way: I've been riding outdoors since I was uh, five years old, and so essentially all of my life. But seriously, in, in a competitive mode for probably the last uh, thirty years. So um, I still ride outdoors as much as possible, and uh, I, I really enjoy it. I truly enjoyed. We had a conversation at one of the receptions at Mind Body Fit Pro, and you were telling me about your experience with RAM Race Across America. I'd love to have you share a little bit of that. Yes, that was that was quite an experience. Uh, up until that point, I'd done the Ironman in Hawaii three times, and I thought, you know, I, I'd pretty much hit the pinnacle as far as my form and and you know interest in cycling, and uh, then. Uh, uh, a friend of mine who lives in Malibu came to me and said, hey, uh, you know, what do you think about RAM? And I said, I think it's an exercise in sleep deprivation on a bicycle. Uh, and then uh, he said, no, there's a relay division. And he said, I'd, I, I'd like you to consider doing it. And so without getting into all the details of the story, I ended up myself and a, a very good friend, Don Wildman, who was the founder of Health and Tennis Corporation of America, which went on to be Bally, the largest health club operator in the world. He and I and, and this guy George and his nephew formed a team. And uh, that year we did, we raced from Irvine, California to Savannah, Georgia, 2,910 miles. We did in five days, 21 hours and 24 minutes, and we averaged 23.6 miles an hour. It's so interesting it was, how you remember that those exact numbers. <laughs> well, uh, let's put it this way. I mean, we prepared for six months for it. I was probably the fittest I've ever been. And it was one of the most interesting and challenging experiences of my life. So when you when you invest essentially everything in that kind of an experience, I mean you you tend to remember most everything about that, and so and and we got fifth overall out of uh, 15 teams that started, and so it was it was uh, it was a pretty interesting and exciting experience, and it really solidified my love for the bike, both indoors and outdoors. Is it something that once you've done it, you'd cross it off your list, or did you feel as if it? At some level, you'd like to do it again. No, I, I, you know, that was a one and done for me. I mean, I, unlike the Ironman, I, I, and running marathons, I did those multiple times. But, you know, the the thing about the race across America, the way we did it is, it was very involved because we had a crew of thirteen people. So logistically, to do it and do it well, it's not just about you; it's about a lot of other people. You have a you have a whole support uh, section you need. You know, your family, your crew. And it takes a tremendous amount of time and effort and energy, not just uh, physically, but 
emotionally and everything else. So uh, it was, a, like I said, it was a great experience, one of my absolute best experiences, but I really don't have any desire to do it again just simply because there, there's so much involved in it. And it, it's not just like going out and put, lacing up your shoes or, you know, jumping on your bike and riding, you know, for five or six hours. It's, it's, a, it's a very big undertaking, and, uh, but it was, it was very cool. I can't I can't let it pass that uh, you live in probably the one or one of the best places in the world to be a cyclist. Um, describe uh, where you get to ride these days. Well, I'm looking outside today and it's crystal clear over the ocean and it's going to be about 70 degrees today. I live in Malibu, California. And so uh, we have uh, I ride a lot on Pacific Coast Highway which is, runs right along the ocean. And we have the Santa Monica Mountains, so I have uh, probably four or five ore category climbs that I can do any time during the day. Uh, so um, it, it is, pro- you're right, it's probably the perfect place, one of the most spectacular places to ride a bicycle outdoors. And uh, I'm very spoiled because if it gets under 60 degrees Fahrenheit, I typically bundle up like the Michelin Man, like you guys in the cold weather and 30 degrees. Or if it gets a little too windy or if it rains, I ride indoors. So uh, I'm very blessed to have been able to ride here for as many years as I have and continue to do that. Were you ever training with power outdoors? Yes, I've been training with power outdoors for... uh, Probably, well, I started using it before RAM, and I did RAM in 1994, so I've had an SRM on one of my bikes for many, many years, and uh, so I've been using it for quite a long time, and, uh, you know, the the huge benefits of power, I mean, it's such a pure objective uh, assessment of your capabilities at the time and your form, unlike heart rate monitors where there's so many external variables that influence uh, your heart rate at any given time, power is pure and clean and is not subjected to those external variables. It is what it is, shall we say. Exactly, which brings us obviously to Mad Dog slash Star Trek's intro into the world of indoor cycling with power. How's that going? It's going well. We uh, we have a program called Spin Power, and uh, it's all about uh, incorporating uh, a power-based education and experience on the spinner blade ion, and that's, of course, manufactured by Star Trek, as you mentioned. And we launched uh, our Spin Power education platform earlier this year, and our first international Spin Power certification took place just outside of London. I was fortunate to be over there and kicking that off uh, with the director of European education for Star Trek, Sarah Morelli, and. Uh, we uh, had a wonderful uh, class of about uh, 18 participants, and um, so now we've had numerous uh, spin power uh, certifications over in Europe and, of course, uh, here in the U.S. domestically. So the, the indoor cycling community, of course, is, uh, has really embraced uh, power-based training for obvious reasons, and so, um, you know, it's wonderful. We, we always assume and expect uh, performance community athletes to embrace power, but anybody that's interested in weight loss, power is a wonderful uh, tool if you understand how to use it correctly and you can structure the workouts accordingly. So uh, that's the other big thing because, as we know, 85% of people that walk through a health club's door or a studio's door want to lose some weight. 
and that's another huge benefit and asset that uh, you know working with a power-based uh, program can offer. Amen to that. Do you see heart rate kind of falling by the wayside? No, I don't actually. I think heart rate's still very, very important, and I don't mean to downplay you know the the, the need or the benefits of heart rate heart rate training because uh, it's still very, very valuable. And the other piece of that is is that not every facility uh, is going to be able to afford bikes that have uh, power-based computer systems on them. So, um, you know, the ones that can use power, that's great. It's, a, it's another uh, technique and, and methodology. But um, heart rate training will always be very important because it's still, you know, it's a reflection of where you are at that moment in time. And it's the results of your efforts. It's a monitoring. That's the key thing. There's a difference between, you know, actual and monitoring. And that's what heart rate monitors do is it tells you, you know, how your body's responding to that particular stimulus at that moment. And so it's always going to be important. And as long as the instructor or the person, the individual that's using it, understands the parameters of it, then uh, it's, it's a very valuable tool and it always will be. You know, a question, and, and I get this quite a bit, and I'm very curious to how you would answer it, is that, you know, I'll get a question that is, okay, John, you know, we're building a new studio, and I'm trying to justify the added cost for bikes with power. How, as a studio owner, am I supposed to evaluate kind of the, you know, the, whatever you call it, the... The logic uh, return, behind the purchase... The, or, or the or just the return on investment? How would you answer that question? Oh, I, I would answer it twofold. Number one, we just established that the majority of people that come to a studio want to lose some weight, and they obviously want to improve their overall health, right? So that's number yep. one. And number two, if you're a studio owner and you're in a location where there's, you know, some big box uh, chains that are competitors of yours, you have to find different ways and niches to, you know, differentiate yourself from them. And there's a lot of the big players that will not invest in the, the power-based bikes. So it's a huge point of differentiation for you if you structure some really cool programming around that and then you really personalize it with your members it is something that differentiates you and it also really helps with your retention because once a once a member or a customer gets dialed into using power and they start to see and feel the results and benefits that, that power-based training provides them then they're going to be sticking around and, and wanting to uh, continue their their journey on that wonderful ride so to speak and so those are the two main ways that you can uh, uh, expect return on investment. Actually, that's three, really. I mean, it's, uh, and, and you can use it as an attraction to new member acquisition or new customer acquisition as well. So those are uh, ways that I would also always talk about, uh, you know, how a small studio owner operator could use power-based training to uh, really help themselves in their, their situation. I should give this a date. Uh, you and I are recording this on Christmas Eve. And, and forgive me, I, I have to add that it was 17 below zero this morning. So it's a little different North. where you are than where I am, John. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. But when I'm done with this, I'm going to go ride with power. Rider metrics and the, the how they can kind of connect with retention is kind of a topic of discussion from a lot of areas. You have involvement with Performance IQ, uh, which is the heads-up display system. I was very encouraged to see that at uh, MindBodyFitPro. Kind of tell me, you know, what's your impression of that whole thing? 
Well, it's it's great. It's it's another tool again in the in the arsenal of motivation and incentive and education for anybody that comes in and sits on an indoor bike, because you know part of our challenge is to provide interesting, stimulating, challenging, and fun workouts for every ride that a person takes. So it creates a very positive experience when they walk away, and so you know there can be too much stimulation uh, in a class, I, I believe. I, I think that, you know, sometimes you get into a circus environment where the instructor's trying to do all of those things, but yet doesn't really understand how to manage them properly. But, you know, what Performance IQ brings to the table is wonderful because it's a visual stimulus that it also is reflective on the physiological parameters or outcomes that are, are real-time. And so depending on, you know, what that board is structured to do and report back, is something that can be pretty motivating. And so um, it can be purely competitive or it can be educational or it can be a combination of both. And that's the beauty of what Performance IQ is doing. What I saw at MindBodyFitPro was a branded version of Performance IQ that my understanding is that Andrew Studervent and them have kind of put down the parameters that you want to dis- uh, display. Uh, were you involved with that? And do you have you know, kind of feedback as to how that was all constructed? Yeah, we are in discussions with Performance IQ about a, a customization of uh, their their display because we want to take it beyond just a competitive, what they call leaderboard application. And Angie has been working very closely with Tay, who is one of the founding partners of uh, Performance IQ. And we will come up with, uh, you know, what that looks like as our partnership grows and develops. Uh, so uh, we're in the very early stages, the embryonic stages, I like to call it, and conceptual architecture of that. But suffice to say that, uh, you know, we're pretty excited about uh, the potential of uh, that application. Are you looking at, um, you know, there's a number of systems out there that, you know, record the rider information and store it, have it available for analysis. Are you guys kind of walking down that path as well? Well, you know, you're right. There's a lot of wonderful technology out there, John, and we are, because, you know, spinning has always been on the cutting edge as far as indoor cycling goes. So the answer to that question is yes, we're we're evaluating and assessing a lot of different tools, uh, you know, and various applications for technology. And uh, 2014 is going to be a very exciting year because we're going to introduce, you know, some new products and some new educational tools and um, so um, and and other ways to uh, enhance the instructor experience as well as the the member or the customer experience on the bike. So uh, yes, we are we are looking at a number of different things to uh, to bring to market. Awesome. Okay, and now you've teased us. Can you give us any other? <laughs> little tidbits. So. John, it's Christmas Eve. It's not time to open the presents yet. <laughs> I guess it's not. All right. Uh, is it fair to say that we may see this at URSA? Uh, well, you never know. Um, you know, with, uh, we're working hard to uh, to bring some things to market, so I think that uh, there may be a few things that we will be able to discuss at URSA. Uh, URSA is not our, you know, our hard deadline for some of the stuff. Um, but, um, you know, we'd like to have a few new things to offer up out there by that time. So, uh, yeah, 
I would say to okay, or uh, WSSC. I'm gonna make sure that uh, you stop by the Mad Dog booth if you come to Ursa for sure. Oh, exactly. No, I'm planning on being there, and uh, no, Good. I wouldn't miss it. I had a, a, a very a very fun time last year. Good. And, uh, that was the first time I'd been there. All right. Um, I have to ask you the the elephant in the room question, and that is, you know, SoulCycle and Flywheel have really energized indoor cycling from a notoriety standpoint, uh, visibility within our markets. You know, what's your take on that? Well, I think anything that raises awareness and, and brings new people to the indoor cycling space is wonderful. Where philosophically, you know, spinning is a program about pure cycling. You know, we, we our roots are in road cycling, and uh, our program is based on the same kind of conceptual and and practical experience that you have on a road bike, only indoors. So uh, we do things differently. We always have, and we always will. Um, but, uh, you know, awareness to indoor cycling and, and getting more people and new young blood into the space of indoor cycling is always great. Um, but uh, we will continue to be true to the road cycling routes that uh, indoor cycling uh, evolved and started from, which spinning was the beginning. And um, so, um, you know, that's the course that we choose to follow. And uh, philosophically, we believe that that's the right way to go. And so we'll continue down that path. Are you, as a company, seeing the early stages of all these new small boutique studios coming in the market? Yes. I mean, we, it's wonderful to see new studios come online. There's, there's lots of them, not just domestically, but internationally. As you know, Mad Dog Athletics and Spinning is a global co- uh, company, and you know we're in 80-plus countries now, and we're seeing huge growth both domestically and internationally from an ind- individual, independent studio perspective, and we love that because um, you know that's where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, and the, typically the instructors are much closer to the community and their member customers that way. And so uh, we, we provide a lot of uh, services and uh, uh, guidance to those uh, small studio owner operators, and, and, and we love to see that growth. Are the small boutiques going to drive the market you know, in 2014 and beyond? Well, I think they're definitely stimulating the market in a way that we've never seen it before. And I think that uh, they are challenging the bigger box uh, multi-purpose facilities in ways that we haven't seen before, causing them to rethink their model, their service, and, and what they actually are providing those current members of theirs because uh, there's some significant attrition from the traditional big box operators going to the smaller studios, whether it's indoor cycling studios, Pilates studios, yoga studios, or we're seeing a lot of fusion studios where spinning is offered plus Pilates plus, you know, other types of, uh, we see Crosscore, our our suspension, our full body suspension uh, model really getting interest in, and uh, implementation in these uh, multi-purpose fusion studios. So the, the traditional big box is really having to think a little bit more about how they're delivering their services. So, yes, they are, they are forcing a, a bit of a, a, an assessment and a reevaluation in all the markets that they're coming into. Kevin, if you were starting a studio, would you start it as a pure cycling studio or would you start it as a fusion studio? 
Uh, well, you know, there's some. The, I have to say, the really cool fusion tools out there. So, and and the the studios that we're seeing open that are offering one or two other uh, methodologies are doing really, really well, and people are really enjoying the variety. And 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 remember that you know variety is really what people are after these days. They don't want to be one dimensional. So I would say, if you ask me that question, I would open up a fusion studio. Okay with the suspension draining and indoor cycling. Well, I'm not sure exactly what the, what the model would be, but I, I think I would, I would probably look at Yugi, which is, as I discussed earlier, is our, you know, kind of new alternative hip uh, product that fits nicely in any studio, whether it's in a big box or a standalone. And uh, the suspension training stuff is really nice. And of course, spinning would be probably the centerpiece. And I also really, really am enjoying Pilates. If I would have been aware of and understood Pilates back when I was training for the Ironman and the Race Across America, I would have definitely incorporated that into my routine. Got it. You know, you use the word hip, and one, you know, talking to hundreds of studio owners, instructors, my own personal experiences, is that I don't know that we're doing a super good job attracting young participants. And is that is Yugi? I mean, I'm not even aware of it. But is that something that would potentially be appealing to bring in a younger audience? Absolutely, Yugi's fun. It's energetic. It's interesting. It's different. It has an edge to it. So uh, yeah, it, it is something that uh, you know. For example, we just launched it in 39 Virgin clubs in the UK, and they're going to roll it through uh, their entire system, and then they're going to take it down to the 100 plus locations in South Africa. And so, um, you know, and, and their demographics are pretty, you know, they're skewed to the 18 to 34-year-olds, I believe. So um, they, they have a finger on the pulse as far as what that segment of the marketplace is looking for. And they're very excited about it. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. What requirements does someone have to actually teach that? Well, they go through what we call a master instructor camp, and which we just, uh, we just finished one up in the early this month in the U.K., and uh, we're going to have one in, coming up in January. So you go through that with uh, the founder, and, and uh, she, her name is Sarah Shears, and she leads the, the MI camp. And when you get done with that, then uh, there's a few you have to uh, demonstrate your teaching prowess and expertise. And then once you do that, you're assessed and you're good to go. We provide all the, the educational templates, the formatting of the course, and uh, then we also have, we're developing some really cool Con Ed continuing education workshops for Yugi, just like we're, it's modeled after our spinning and uh, Pilates uh, disciplines. Got it. Do you need a prior certification in order to teach it? No, you don't. Okay, because that would probably be of interest because, from at least from what I can see, about half of you know my readers, listeners, are indoor cycling only. And... I, you know, I'm sensing that as an instructor, it would be really beneficial to have some other off-the-bike teaching experience. So that could be a, a good potential. Well, it's wonderful because it's it's not a huge initial capital investment, and um, it, it takes not a lot of time for you to get up to speed and become an instructor. And so, and, and it doesn't take a lot of space to uh, store the Yugi balls, and they come in different uh, weights. They come in 6, 8, 10, and 12-pound increments for various levels of people that can come into your classes. And uh, there's some wonderful, I mean, I'll tell you, we have... 
you know, the typical workout is 30 minutes, and when you get done with the 30 minutes, you definitely know that uh, you've had a workout, and it fits very, very nicely with spinning, um, and uh, it, it's, it's, it's a great fusion class. I'm going to look into that more, and maybe I can get Sarah on at some point to, dis- to, to discuss this, because I think that would have a lot of interest. Yeah. Cross brands. It's not, a great you know, fit. It's a great fit. It is. All right. What have I forgotten that you'd like to add, Kevin? Oh, I think we've covered a lot of ground today, and um, you know, I hope that uh, your listeners uh, have enjoyed our conversation. And uh, you know, I, I love the indoor cycling space, and I've been doing it since uh, before indoor cycling was truly a legitimate place. I used to put my bike on the trainer back in the uh, late '70s and uh, early '80s, and so. Uh, I've always trained indoors uh, to supplement my outdoor riding, and uh, I think now we're at a place where we're offering some wonderful, sophisticated uh, choices and options for people, and um, I think you're going to see more and more exciting things come down the road, and, um, you know, spinning has always been at the front, and we continue to, uh, you know, live up to that, and uh, we're excited about the future. Awesome. All right. Now, if someone has specific questions, are are you open to people contacting you? Sure. How best for them to do that? Um, probably send me an email at ksteel at maddog.com. Okay. And it's S-T-E-E-L-E. Yep. And then you have my office phone number, so uh, or they can give me a call there, too. And the best, Perfect. Probably the best thing is for them to reference uh, this podcast. Awesome. Well, Dr. Kevin Steele, this has been a real pleasure, and I appreciate it. Thank you, John. Yeah, and I hope to see you again uh, shortly. I'm sure we'll see each other again. Merry Christmas to you and your family and all the listeners out there. Yes, and Merry Christmas to you and your family as well. Again, Kevin Steele, Mad Dog Athletics, thank you for your time today. All right, have a good day, John. You too, Kevin. Thank you. Bye-bye.